This is Brian Peckford. This is Danielle Smith. This is Glenn Healy. Hey, everybody. This is Paul Brandt. This is Dr. Peter McCullough. Hi, everyone. This is Jamie Soleil, and welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Monday. Hope everybody's uh, weekend. Well, I hope you got to enjoy it with some family, friends. Uh, certainly hung out with the kids, you know, on our side with uh, with school coming up and, you know, and then sports and everything else. Um, we all know how the winters go around these parts anyways. Most likely it's going to speed up, not slow down. So trying to soak in that last bit of summer sun. And I hate to talk like that because, geez, it doesn't feel like it's been here that long. Then again, we do live in the great north and... Well, in the great north, we only get so much sun. Isn't that the truth? Anyways, we got a good one on tap for you today. We're going to talk some Freedom Convoy. Um, and But before we get there, let's let's get to today's episode sponsors, Canadians for Truth. They're a nonprofit organization consisting of Canadians who believe in honesty, integrity, and principled leadership in government, as well as the Canadian Bill of Rights, Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and Rule of Just Laws. And, uh, of course, they've signed on uh, Theo Fleury and Jamie Soleil. They're, they're firing up, uh, I mentioned last week, uh, I met with Theo and had a tour of their 9,000 square foot uh, facility as they start up their, you know, it'll be interesting to see here um, between now and uh, September, and I'm spacing on the day, is it uh, September 24th uh, when their first show goes. I'm going to be, I've been invited to, to I don't know, host MC uh, on September 24th with the Canadians for Truth group. That'll be Joseph Borgo with Theo Fleury and and Jamie Slay on stage talking about what their vision for Canadians for Truth is. So I'm, I'm just as interested as the rest of you to kind of know what it is. If you're looking to see who they are or a little bit more about them, go to canadiansfortruth.net or check out their Facebook page under the same name, Canadians for Truth. Tyson and Tracy Mitchell, Mitchco Environmental, they're a family-owned business that has been providing professional vegetation management services for both Alberta and Saskatchewan in the oil field and industrial sector since 1998. I ran into Tyson there this past week. He likes to run down, uh, and I mean that in the best way, Tyson. Um, it's their busy season, right? This uh, this summer is when uh, when they're out and busy, and by all accounts, it sounds like they've been uh, uh, as hard as you can go uh, for most of the summer. So they're always looking for good people. Uh, I don't think in this world, this area, you know, I think of uh, different businesses I certainly know. I don't think you can ever get enough good people. So if you're looking for work, uh, or you're looking to sign on with a great team, give them a call, 780-214-4004, uh, or go to mitchcocorp.ca to see a little bit more about what they do and who they are. Carly Kloss and the team over at Windsor Plywood, they are the builders of the podcast studio table. I had Shane Getson uh, in on on um, Thursday, I guess. He was Friday's episode 303, 304. Jeez, Louise, what, what episode am I on here, folks? I'm... Uh, I'm I'm scrambling to look it up now, so I don't uh, I don't uh, get it wrong, and of course nothing's gonna come up. And now I'm gonna run. Okay, three oh four. Um, there's my interlude. Anyways, I go back to uh, Shane Getson coming in, and he, and he comes in and looks at the table. And says, Man, that's a nice table. I'm like, yeah, 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 it's been here almost since the beginning, you know, a few months into the podcast, probably six months in. And he goes, who built it? I give the story about Windsor and, and the, you know, uh, Carly and the team over there building the, the river table. It is a sharp-looking uh, unit. It's a it's a heavy piece of, of wood, if, I, if I've ever seen one. Like, it's beautiful. And that's what Windsor has there, you know. All you got to do is check out their Instagram page, do a little creeping. I haven't said this in a long time, do a little creeping. Anyways, and you can, you can see exactly what they're into, whether we're talking mantles, decks, windows, doors, or sheds. They can get you hooked up. 
just stop in today or give them a call, 780-875-9663. Clay Smiling at Team Over Profit River. I bumped into Clay uh, this past week, too. We're working on getting the Chief Firearms Officer of Alberta on the podcast. It looks like it's going to happen here in the near future. And, of course, Clay uh, helped me out. He's a long-term, a long-time sponsor of the podcast as well, the team over there at Profit River. They specialize in importing firearms from the United States of America and pride themselves in making the process as easy for their customers as, uh, as possible. The team at Profit River does all the appropriate paperwork on both sides of the border uh, in order to legally get that uh, into your hands, just go to ProfitRiver.com. They are the major retailer of firearms, optics, and accessories serving all of Canada, no matter where you're at, all right? Gartner Management, Lloydminster-based company specializing in all types of rental properties. I bumped in. Jeez, I had a, quite the week because I bumped into like pretty much all of these people. And I bumped into Wade. The building is filling up. I, I talked about that on Friday. And it's certainly uh, happening right now. The More and more people moving in. So uh, if you're looking for a small office, um, certainly give him a call or, or stop in because he can get you hooked up with that. If you got multiple employees, he's got different spaces that uh, can suit your needs as well. And uh, I certainly can say I haven't ran into many uh, better uh, guys to work with them, Wade. 780-808-5025, he can get you hooked up. Now let's get on to that tail of the tape brought to you by Hancock Petroleum. For the past 80 years, they've been an industry leader in bulk fuels, lubricants, methanol, and chemicals delivering to your farm, commercial, or oil field locations. For more information, visit them at hancockpetroleum.ca. He's a business owner, a farmer, and drove a truck in the West Convoy. I'm talking about Spencer Pretty Boy Boats. So buckle up, here we go. This is Spencer Boats, aka Pretty Boy from The Convoy, and welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a familiar face. It's been a while. I was saying January, probably February, actually, since uh, we we had our last chat. But uh, Spencer Boats, so first off, sir, uh, thanks for hopping in with me. You bet, Sean. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Good to I, see you. Am I calling you Spencer? Am I calling you Pretty Boy? What, what are well, we going to do? Pretty Boy is not as prevalent now as it was in January, February, but you can call it Pretty Boy. <laughs> Um, for the listener, if they're you know if if they didn't listen to the convoy updates, yeah. um, you're the the one guy I got to ride in a truck with uh, during the convoy out to Ottawa, yeah. and we've stayed in touch obviously since then. And this has been kind of in the works now for I don't know it feels like a few months. Uh, we yeah. definitely talked about it probably three months ago when I fired the podcast up after taking a little bit of a break and and then uh, you know schedules and you're a busy guy. It's hard to nail you down, so I'm happy to have you. Uh, here in studio uh, doing this with me but what what have you been up to since uh, Ottawa? Yeah no doubt so Ottawa I was there the whole time and um, during the last couple days I kind of had to pick between staying with my job I was out of days off and stuff like that or going back home so if if I want to keep my job I had to leave a week before it ended and so I chose to stay at the convoy it was kind of getting to time that I wanted to quit my job and focus on the farm and my business as well so I've been running my business full-time since the convoy going hard with that and trying to keep up <laughs> has life changed since uh, you know like it's pretty um you would know this better than most uh what you yeah. saw there yeah it'd be I don't know akin to I don't I don't I don't know going and seeing the world I, I don't know what it would be quite akin to 
but uh, has it been easy just to kind of roll back into everyday life, or, or I mean, pretty hard to forget the events of, of you know, you said three weeks. Yeah. Uh, the news talks about 18 days of occupation, that type of thing. You were yeah. there a few extra days, but like, yeah. has it been easy to slide right back in, uh, you know, everyday work? Yeah, well, it was a total change for me going from the mine um, and my nine to five to the business side of it. But I think anyone who was there, it kind of changed how we thought a little bit. And it really, like, I was kind of the grumpy guy at work and, uh, you know, not a very happy camper over the um, COVID, the whole COVID thing. And so that totally lifted a lot of weight off my shoulders and really let me relax a little bit more. So I've been a lot more comfortable since the convoy, knowing that there's all these people backing me and really good people all across the country. So it's taken some stress off. And yeah, I know it's been busy and really good. Well, let's talk convoy because, I mean, the last time I see you is the day we are, uh, you guys are all stationing at the, I forget the little town, it's terrible. I always remember it. Uh, Prior, something prior. Arn Prior. Arn Prior, thank you. Uh, I I ran into you um, oddly enough out there and we talked about possibly hopping in and riding in. It didn't come to fruition, which at this point I go, you know, or even then I'm like, oh, it just wasn't meant to be, right? So right. you just carry on. But after that, you know, I don't see you again, although we text briefly here and there. You got to tell me about your Ottawa. Um, I, wherever you want to start, however long you want to go on, um, I'd just be curious because I yeah. think if, if people want to go back and listen to exactly who Spencer is, yeah, uh, go back to Convoy episode number five. That's the first time I interview and 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 they yeah. can hear a bit about uh, who you are and everything else. Yep. But from that point on, I don't know anything of what you saw, and I'd be really curious. I mean, I've seen the images of your semi, uh, and I should get you to send me one so we can put it up on my social media so people can go take a look at it. Yeah. Because it's with all the signatures, and it looks super cool. And, it does. Yeah. Uh, you know, but leading up to that, I have no idea. So, yeah. So whatever, I'll, yeah, yeah I'll, back, I'll backpedal a little bit to when you hopped in with me. So I thought it was kind of interesting. You said it wasn't really meant to be that you would have hopped in right before we went into Ottawa. But pretty cool how, because I went alone, just in my truck. Um, none of my buddies and their trucks came. It was just Spencer from Saskatchewan um, going. And so I had empty passenger seats, and I was going uh, alone, you know, the whole time. And we got hung up in the town that we, what town was that? It doesn't matter. In a small town on the way to Ottawa, everything was so slow moving because the sheer amount of trucks and the unexpectedness of it. Saint Marie. It, it could have been Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah. And so you guys can imagine coming out of towns and getting into fuel stations, all That's this stuff. That's a lie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you off. It's Thunder Bay. Thunder Bay. We, we caught you guys in Thunder Bay and I sat with a group of guys in Thunder Bay and had, did a roundtable podcast. And the next morning we went out to see you guys and you guys slowly came out and you parked right in front of where we were parked. Yeah. Carry so on. it's funny that way because this is normal by now, you know, these massive lineups and start stop traffic really slow and, um, people along the side of the road the whole way. But when I stopped by your group, we were just, I was waiting for traffic to move and whatever. And I'm like, ah, you know, someone would probably think this is pretty cool riding in a truck, all these people in their four wheelers and stuff. And so when we stopped and I looked out, I was chatting with a couple people and I said, well, Hey, does anyone want to hop in the truck with me? You can ride for an hour or two. Having no idea who Sean Newman is. No offense, no idea who Sean Newman podcast, right? Um, and your eyes lit up and you hopped in and it was super cool getting that experience. And it's funny, it worked out that well 
someone who's you know willing to actually talk because lots of guys were you know their truck drivers are not really a podcast might not exactly be their thing but it worked out really well in both our favors that we got to meet we got along well and we had a really good conversation so that was when we started and so what you wouldn't you think back to that just uh once again i it's like i always say this you know uh, and if you've been listening to the podcast uh for a long time maybe i'm just slow to get to maybe what it actually is maybe someday when i'm 90 i'll be i'll admit to what that is <laughs> Figure it out. but uh i've had lots of different people on talk about different moments in their life where things just kind of happen yeah and it kind of changes your trajectory or, or bumps you into somebody that, you know, now you, anyways, yeah. you get the point, uh, to have your truck stop in front of where I was. And I wasn't thinking about hopping in. I, I honestly, uh, I was just kind of like, this is cool. I just wanted to see the size of it. Cause we'd driven so hard to catch up to you. Hmm. And, uh, at the time I was just like, I just want to see if it's 20 trucks or a hundred, a thousand. I don't really care. And so when the, when the idea comes to the channel, Hey, does anyone want to get it? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, I mean, <laughs> light bulb moment. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe that happened at 40 other corners or maybe that was the only corner, right? That was, that was the only person I let hop in my truck at a random corner. So it's just funny how it works out that way. And but you I, never let it, you never did the same thing again. No, there was other people who rode with me. Um, but nothing like out of the blue, like no one that I had talked to previously or something. It's just, just a spur of the moment. Hey, let's someone can hop in if they want and i was really enjoying my alone time <laughs> it's pretty cool you know it's kind of just how i am but uh yeah when you were sitting there and it just popped into my head it was pretty cool you end up being a podcaster yeah that's kind of wild it anyways wild. yeah and i'll recap we might i think we talked about this on the earlier podcast but the whole thing the whole business of having a trucking company that that was a, a spur of the moment that was a fate thing as well like i years before I started my trucking company, you know, grew up on a farm, but trucks were never really my thing. Like lots of people are truck drivers. They grew up playing with them and stuff like that. That was never really my thing. 10 years ago or five years ago, I wouldn't really know if it was a Peterbilt or a camera driving down the highway. So this whole trucking company falling into place and turning, guiding me into this convoy was, uh, was a fate, uh, amazing thing. The whole step, each step of the way. So yeah, there's no doubt that there's something to that. And maybe when, if you figure it out when you're 90, let me know. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah. So the last time I seen you was in that town just outside of Ottawa and everyone was kind of rallying together. Um, that was when, if people see the video of the trucks overhead and, uh, airstrip that was there right before Ottawa. And, and then, for, and for people who follow the podcast, we were in that grouping and then we cut off cause we'd met two uh, friends there and we went to uh, a overpass probably, I don't know, 10 miles away Yeah, and stood on an overpass and did the video. And that's right after, like I did a, about an hour and long, uh, Instagram, I think it was live video of you guys come rolling through. Like it was yeah. super freaking cool. Yeah. And that was right after all of like the staging area and the staging area was wild. Like just yeah. so many people. Yeah. That was, that was a good video, a good, uh, glimpse of what was going on, but I'll tell you, it was so chaotic because it grew so fast and to this wild proportion so just to get people staged or get them in the same place to sleep and you know that was just a, a huge struggle which obviously we overcame people reacted really fast and really well to that but if you're sitting at one overpass in ottawa you might only caught half or maybe the other one would have caught you know three quarters 
really tough to say but even if you had seen half the trucks you're standing on the the overpass for a long time my point is there was a lot of vehicles you know it was really cool but from that arm prior we were kind of waiting for the go-ahead for everyone to go to you know main street ottawa wellington and in the back of my mind i think a lot of people's like there's no way we're getting to wellington street how would that ever be possible like they know we're here they you know, the government doesn't really want us there right because we don't agree with them they don't so they know we're here they they know there's lots of us and they've been following this for days right so they know there's this massive wave of disagreeable truckers who are coming to speak their mind in the main street auto is like there's uh, there can't we can't get anywhere near wellington street that's impossible right it's wishful thinking so we kind of all gathered up and guys we had somewhat of a route we were supposed to take because we had worked with the opp the ontario police the whole time they picked routes with us they you know shut down certain intersections um we did what they wanted us to the whole time it was a super respectful relationship between like chris barber guys like that um they worked with the cops and so the opp led us right into the middle of ottawa i think they thought at that point well these guys came from saskatchewan and alberta and manitoba like they're you're gonna want to be on wellington so we may as well do it cooperatively they've been working with us we may as well let it happen because it's probably going to happen anyways and so they did uh opp led us from that arm prior i believe it's arm prior um gas station they led us all the way up to wellington and there was like a couple barricades nothing crazy at all so it was it was nothing you could like that street was blocked. Well, OPP led you to a different one. And we basically drove right onto Wellington, right into the middle of Ottawa. And so that that blew my mind. And maybe it was the government's, a good example of bad government planning that they need a month in advance to accomplish anything. Or maybe they didn't think it was actually going to come to fruition. I don't know how. Or overconfidence. Yeah, exactly. Overconfidence. I don't know how that worked out but it did we got right onto wellington right exactly on the hill i guess for anyone listening wellington is a street that runs in front of parliament hill so we filled up wellington and all the streets around it was blew my mind we got there yeah well i think a lot of people uh i think a lot of people know even that right like all the way that i think it's the 18 days after that for you the 21 you were there for 21 were you on wellington then yes yeah i was right on wellington you wouldn't have seen my truck there no yeah, right on wellington uh, i'm wondering how on earth i missed you yeah i was towards i don't know i can't remember i think it was the west side wellington kent and wellington was my corner okay in front of the supreme court that's where i was yeah so i wasn't there it took so i parked outside of town or outside of Wellington, excuse me, for two days. And then I drove into Wellington after. So even after two days, there was like access to the middle of town. Did you do it in the middle of the night or was it? No, it was daylight. Yeah, like you had to pick pick the street that wasn't blocked off, but it was pretty common knowledge, right? And like you still obeyed traffic laws and <laughs> it was it was easy. It was crazy. 
So for for the days in between there and when you leave, yeah, what happens? Yeah, so we get get parked in Wellington, and people came from all over Ontario and Quebec and stuff like that to hang out with us and see us. So lots of it was just talking to people and listening to them, and just waves and waves of people coming up to you and oh, thank you so much. Where are you from? Getting to know you, and some people had stories to tell of the last two years how they're treated poorly and some people um had good stories of you know the community that had come to place um the day-to-day life was i slept in the truck um yeah get up and we had boardroom meetings every day with a couple people from each block so there was a block leaders kind of and we would say oh you know kent and wellington could use a couple porta potties there. Okay, perfect. Then they would make some calls or whatever. Two days later, there'd be porta potties. Or yeah, this guy needs fuel. This guy needs fuel. This guy needs fuel, and they would come there. So we'd go to these meetings. You know, we'd sit down. Is everyone you know cooperating? Is everything going smoothly? What do you guys need? And figure it out every day. And then after that, yeah, you'd talk to people who wanted to come up and hang out with the truckers and talk to you and let things off their chest or whatever, and and offer support, man. People would come up and well, some of them give you 20 bucks and say for help you with fuel. Others would bring you hot meals, middle of the day or coffee all day long. Um, I didn't have uh, winter boots because when I went there, well, first of all, Ontario is only minus 10 or minus 15 degrees. It can't be cold. Little did I know it's freezing cold there. The moisture in the air, man, I froze. I, was, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. You'd go out, go out for a walk, shivering and come back. Oh man, it's only minus 10. I was only out there for an hour. <laughs> I was getting soft really quick. But uh, anyways, didn't have winter boots. All I had to do was ask. People come up to you, please, like, how can I help you? You came all this way, blah, blah, blah. Well, actually, I, you know, I don't really have boots. Well, they just go grab your boots and bring you back. It was, it was unparalleled kindness there. Yeah, such a strong community. So yeah, we do that. And then in the evenings, um, oh, similar, whatever you could, you know, walk around, go to other streets, talk to other people, whatever, intermingle. There was meetings in the evening sometimes, or some evenings I went and I hauled fuel around, right? Jerry can fuel around. Um, there was also a main uh, station they had set up near Wellington, a little bit of a drive, you can walk. And they had uh, industrial kitchens, they had... Oh man, every kind of supplies you could possibly need in this uh, outer outer area. And so we went out there a couple of times and helped manage resources and uh, whatever, distribute food and whatever anybody needed. It was, it was, in some ways it was professional almost. Like it was funny to see just a bunch of random people having these boardroom meetings, like serious boardroom meetings, helping each other out. So there's a lot of that, a lot of people managing, I guess, and making sure everything's going smoothly. But all in all, it was just lots of uh, talking and stuff like that. You mentioned jerry cans. Um, One of the craziest, you know, I'm, you know, my memory is the the months carry on. I got to think on this. But I was pretty much there when they started talking about how are we going to get fuel to everybody. Yeah. And somebody mentioned jerry cans. And then all of a sudden, jerry cans become jerry cans everywhere. Yeah. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, I mean, well, you're on the other yeah. side of that for part of it, at least. Yeah, it was just think about 
you know, a semi, how much fuel you burn to think that you could keep them going. Cause you needed to run your truck to keep warm, you know, for most of the day. Um, the amount of fuel that had to be hauled was, I don't, I could have a hard time putting a number on it. Hundreds of thousands of liters for sure. Like tens of thousands of liters, if not more, how could we jerry can like how many jerry cans like thousands of jerry cans it was no problem there's people so willing to help so yeah, people had carts and they were bringing jerry cans all over so if you they'd come to your door every two three days and say hey man you need fuel we got a bunch of jerry cans they'd fill you up it was and like i did the same right it was everyone kind of threw in their little bit of help where they could and it everything was super easy yeah and then so the cops well, i shouldn't say the cops the government one of their tactics to kind of make things tougher to kind of chase us out, I guess, was, okay, no more jerry cans. It's a hazard, um, whatever, they're for fires or whatever. So they made up this thing, whatever. No jerry cans. <laughs> the day after this big announcement, no jerry cans, every Joe Blow walking down the street had a jerry can. And it was empty or some of them were full of pop or whatever water and so everyone's drinking out of 10 liter jerry cans and you know hauling around jerry cans 40 liter jerry cans just walking around the street so what are the how are you gonna enforce it like there's little old grandma she's got a jerry can you know on one arm and a purse in the other and then everyone has one you can't you can't stop it so whenever they would put in a silly law everyone would just kind of band together and say okay well if we work together it's all good and it was so that they, they tried shutting the jerry cans off, but ultimately it didn't do anything. It was pretty interesting to see when everybody, everybody does it. You can't, you can't take that on, right? Yeah, there's not enough police force there to enforce no, everyone. No, it was funny. There was some uh, older ladies with strollers when this, there was a big, this jerry can scare. So they'd have their stroller with a 40 liter jerry can with a blanket thrown over it. And they'd come up to the truck and go, do you need some fuel? I got some fuel. It's like, I've never been a criminal except for today. It's just like, this is funny to see these, you know, innocent, super cool people like trying to trying sneak to help. around and help, right? Yeah. It was pretty cool. <laughs> the, um, let's talk about the atmosphere being down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know how much you're willing to share and all that, but I mean, I was just sitting at lunch with you and I, you told me a story and them a story and I'm like, oh, wow. And I'll, I'll allow you to share it, not share it. doesn't matter. Now the listener's yeah. going to be like, well, what, what is he talking about? <laughs> yeah, you trapped me. But, but, the, but, the, but the atmosphere there was, I don't know. I don't know what to put after that sentence because yeah. it, happy, yeah. um, harmonious, a unifying uh i didn't realize that level of humanity existed uh but i've also heard like uh, lots of uh faith-based people talk about god being everywhere right like everybody has their version of it all good all yeah. good for the most part right yeah. um i'm curious you know from a guy sitting in the truck you would have had a different view of it than where i sat and walked and everything else and i was only there for I believe like six, seven days, right? So yep. I saw the beginning. You saw it all the way through. What was the environment right. like? Oh, that was such a interesting question. A tough thing to put into words because it was so different. Um, I think a good way to put it was the first real 
human experience I've ever had, like a raw human experience, a real, you know, community experience. So yeah, everybody put, well, (laughs) differences aside or everybody put their, um, you know, greed or ego or whatever that was all set aside and it was just everybody acting in the interest of everybody else and it makes you wonder like we live you know society today i i love the way our society is you know capitalism system and you know whatever i think it's great but if you want to go back 50 or 100 years and you think of what was it like maybe when people came over to start Canada, you know, and they came over, you know, with their uh, church and they said, well, we're going to settle here and we're going to, you know, establish. I imagine that it's a completely different thing, but I imagine the mindset was kind of similar. Like it was just a human, let's work together, community based thing, and let's accomplish something together. And it was a super rewarding, super satisfying feeling. And it it did blow my mind just the level of um, kindness and the level of hard work people were willing to put in for no compensation. There was people flipping burgers, there's making tacos or whatever for three weeks straight making pizzas and stuff. So So imagine, Sean, you show up there every day, every day, cold outside all day, it doesn't matter. And you cook burgers, you flip burgers for 14 hours a day and you go home and you come back for three weeks straight, no money. And people were happy, happy to be there. Yeah. Isn't it wild? You know, you're 25 now, right? 25. So you just must have celebrated a birthday not that long ago. April. April. Um, In your first 25 years of life, the first human experience you've had is Ottawa. Isn't that a wild thought? Yeah, and I think that's a really good way to put it. Like, I think we're a little bit disconnected from that community sense. You know, everybody, it used to be a thing, maybe on Sunday you'd go over to your neighbors and you'd build a barn together. Or, you know, you guys would um, work on a project as a community or as an RM or something. That's kind of all gone away. Like, even people don't really conjugate in the matter that they used to, right? So it was definitely a much more human experience than just uh you know competing in industry constantly or going to work going home kind of thing right but i'm just glad i got to experience it and i hope everybody gets that at some point but i'm just fortunate that i got to grasp that early yeah yeah i wonder you know to the listener they're gonna be like well that sounds interesting how do you recreate that i don't know i've i've had my own thoughts on it To me, um, in the Middle East, they do pilgrimage to Mecca, right? And it's it's a journey. It's you you go on a journey with an end destination, and people do it. I believe, and once again, uh, I my listeners will prove me right or wrong on this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't remember if it's every year. I assume it's every year. That would make the most sense. But you do a pilgrimage, anyways. It's a Middle Eastern thing, and. a different faith base, a different faith um, uh, group than Christianity. Anyways, yep. uh, I'm butchering this a little bit. When I look at uh, Ottawa, the the convoy from the west to the east had an end destination. Here it is. 
Yeah. And it had um, the distance needed to travel, you know, like time, time to sit and think and see things and have people come out to a path. And then your final destination, you, you get there and everybody's there for the same reason. Yep. So I go, I start to understand maybe why people pilgrimage in different faiths or maybe why people uh, um, do fasts, right? Like yep. long extended fasts together because they get to share and experience the something that isn't an everyday routine. You know, you don't get this probably by going to the Lloyd Mall or going right. to West Edmonton Mall or you know what I mean. I'm, yep. I'm being a little bit of a jackass, but you, you get the point. <laughs> yeah. You know, I came from a family... Um, my grandparents would have been quite religious. My parents, not so much. I think that's a common trend. It's kind of a slowing down um, thing, but and no one's pushed me into religion. I, I kind of feel a little bit funny talking about it for some reason. I think it's just not, I feel funny talking about it as it, well. So yeah, it's, like, it's don't feel right. It's no. like the Sean Newman podcast going to talk religion. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What no. is going on? Yeah, and yet, exactly. And yet you can't fight certain things. And it's, uh, I said this to Drew Weatherhead. This is probably three months ago. It feels like a lot of people are talking about God right now. Yeah. And yeah, so let's talk about it. But when I think about um, my farm or my business, so I'm going to dedicate my life to growing the farm, you know, to be sustainable, keep up with everybody else and be something that I can pass to my kids that's tangible and it's going to, you know, set them up to have highest probability for success. Same with my trucking company. Hopefully you grow it to where it's something that they can work with and you know what I mean? You want to pass down this um, opportunity for them. But you can have the best farm. You can have the best trucking company you can have you know you can set up this amazing legacy of how hard you work and how smart you are but if you don't have you know if you don't raise your kids well in the meantime it's kind of all for nothing it's not gonna you know maybe they can't keep it up or maybe they won't be happy regardless but or maybe their work ethic sucks or maybe right and you see that all the time and so that's it's you know you you see it all the time so it's like well this isn't enough just to, you know, do a good job of my trucking company and, you know, do a really good job of the farm. It's not enough because if I raise a arsehole of a kid, <laughs> yeah, whatever, he's going to piss away, crap the money it away, all the way. It's yeah. going to all be sold in a generation anyways. You know, 70% of lottery winners go to zero. So if I don't do a really good job raising my kid, then how's it going to work out anyways? It's not. So, okay, well, how can I raise my kid? Well, you know, you're going to have these set of values and whatever I'm going to instill in them, spend time with them, blah, blah, blah. But to go a step further, if he doesn't raise good kids, it's the same outcome, right? He, uh, two generations, it's gone anyways. Well, that's a blink of time. So how can I hopefully put it in a system that can allow for every generation to have good values and maybe uphold this thing that I'm trying to help build? Well, it kind of leads you back to religion because now, okay, the community all agrees on these set of values and you're going to, so if my kids wander a little bit or if their kids wander a little bit, well, they're still, if they can at least, um, be faithful to this, to religion, then the community is going to support them along the way and kind of keep them in the bowling, like in the lane. 
and keep them from straying off to where it's all for nothing anyways. So every time I think about stuff more, it's like, well, this religion, there's a lot, there's a lot to this. There's a lot of value. And of course there is. How come, how come it's thousands of years old? How come, um, people could come over somewhere and settle it and blah, blah, blah. Just like there, there's something to this, something strong to it. And I think it's something that I got to work on and, and really, uh, dedicate some time to, but I think that I don't know if a society can really last or be prosperous, like past, you know, a couple hundred years without some sort of religious values. And every, every corner of the world has that in one way or another. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking, um, you won't know the name Todd Lowen, I assume. Uh, this is where I was joking with, well, not joking with you, explaining to you on the podcast leading up to this point, I've, it's been heavily focused on Alberta politics. Yeah. Todd Lowen is a guy who stood up when Jason Kenney brought in all the mandates and everything and basically uh, well, got booted from Conservative Party and now was an independent. Now he's running for Premier of Alberta. Okay. Anyways, um, I was having this conversation with a guy and he was, you know, uh, they had Todd Lowen in to speak to a group of like 50 businessmen. And he sat down, and they were grilling, you know. And finally went, well, I can't remember what the, where he stands on, you know, lockdowns coming in the fall. Yeah. And he goes, well, I don't know how much you know about me, but I took my wife and I, and we went to Ottawa. And we went and experienced that, and that's where I stand. And he said, within, like, not even half a second, everybody in the room relaxed because they understood what, what they were dealing with. It was right. like, oh, that's where you stand. Okay. It's become that, right? Yeah. All you got to say is uh, you bring up that and you're like, oh, it's a very unifying thing. You, I wonder, yeah. I don't know if this is a poor analogy, but you wonder if Christianity back in the day, when you came across, it's like you showed up to church and you just immediately knew you could trust most of the congregation if it had a similar effect. Right. Ottawa, uh, specifically of the last decade, if you bring up that you were any near around that, that you followed it, that you, you know, all of a sudden... It's almost like you jump past, who are you? And it's going to take five meetings for us to know who we really are to like, all right, you're on the same page as me and let's move on. Or am I wrong in that? Yeah, it's like a, a family, you know, it's like agreeing kind of like, I guess, a religion. Yeah. So I uphold a similar values to you. Here's a blanket way of saying it. I support the Freedom Convoy. I support, you know, personal choice, blah, blah, all that. So when you can identify with, yeah, I agree with the convoy then I can, you know, very accurately assume that you agree with all these values that I also agree with. In Ottawa, I don't know how much I talk about this. So, for your brain, I took two months off of podcasting. Okay. During that two months, um, I assume listeners went from left to right on where I was on everything because I, I stopped abruptly in Ottawa. I did eight convoy updates, and then I just went silent. Then I did one more update, and then I went silent again for two months. Okay. okay. What was going on in Ottawa, I, 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 I keep coming back to it. I've been waiting for somebody to step in the room with me that I can have that was there and can understand where I'm coming from. Yep. Um, strange, weird, so many of these words because I cannot put my finger on it, Okay. But you said something with uh, Kenan's family that I was like, I get that. You talked about praying. Yeah. And I, I think I like mirror everything you said uh, for the most part, which is, you know, 
I grew up in a Christian family and we went to church every Sunday, but up until, you know, where I'm sitting right now, I'm kind of just kind of on the fence, you know, like I'm watching and I'm, I'm reading a little bit and you know, like, are we going to church? No, but yeah. I got a ton of listeners who've been following me that have been, you know, encouraging that side of things, whatever. But then you go to Ottawa and everybody's praying. Like I, I you know, if there's one thing I didn't hear and I haven't heard anyone talk about, and I find it very curious is the amount of worship and everything that was going on there. And I don't mean that in a dark, nefarious way. I just mean that in like a very loving, like, there's a lot of people who don't want this to succeed. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that want it to get violent. And there's they're trying to uh, do little pressure tactics. You know, you talked about the, the, the gas, uh, the jerry cans and things like that. That was just one of many different little tactics. Oh, yeah. Tons. But, yep. but the amount of faith-based stuff that went on there, Yep. Made for strange times, yeah. at least in my eyes. Well, I'll tell you my um, thoughts on it. And it's funny because people who know me are listening to this going, what's this guy talking about? Really? Like, I'm not a church guy. And so everyone, I wasn't forced into this way of thinking. Not <laughs> not even a little bit, right? This wasn't <laughs> someone in, I wasn't, um, this is my choice. And uh, there was tons and tons of religion and from a lot of people like me who didn't really have an opinion didn't really you know care now now everyone's praying all of a sudden together um me myself i actually pray i prayed for the first time honestly like in my truck i just sat back and prayed and i i don't know how to explain it and i i was in the presence of god it was just it washed me over from my head to my toes and it was it removed doubt that I have there's something for sure to religion and to all this, but I can't explain it. But that was going on everywhere. You could feel, you know, all this. And a good example of that is, Sean, think about people who over the last two years in the COVID, the whole thing, right? Some people had very, very bad stories of adverse effects for their kids, of losing their job, having to sell their home, and, you know, terrible things have happened to these people that were on the streets. And so they've had two years of pressure building, pressure building, misery, anger. And now they go to the streets of Ottawa, and they're there. And thousands of people, you know, in the convoy. Not one person acted out. Not one person, you know pulled a weapon out of their truck or not one person stormed into a cop and tried beating them up or not one person, not one person acted self selfishly. How? A lot of those people had terrible stories and not one of them acted in their best interest or in their emotions. And I think that that has to be, you have to akin that to something better than me and you right? Better than human emotion and anger and all these things. There was, uh, there was a protection of some sort there for sure. Well, and the other thing I would stick in there is I don't know. I, I, I want to stick in things, but then I'm like, you know, you second guess where your, where your brain's going. I, um, I thought we were talking honestly, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Ottawa's a tough time. You know, um, 
Ottawa for me isn't the same as everybody else. I and I'm I have very fond memories of it, mm-hmm. but it ended with me running into a brick wall. Like mm-hmm. it, it, you know, and then you had to, you know, I, I I say you had I had to pick myself up, dust myself off, put the pieces back together, and try and reassemble some things. And that's very cryptic. But what I mean is, I was ready for uh, a lot of the what we're doing here. I wasn't ready for the weird part of Ottawa. Mm. And the weird part, you can people have put a lot of different words on it since I've been back. And when people ask me and I tell them, they're like, oh, that's this, that's that, this is that. Everybody seems to know the answers. And maybe they do, maybe they don't. I don't know. Right. I just know that uh, for me personally, what Ottawa represented was was Bob Marley. It was like uh, straight out of a song, you know, peace, love, harmony. It's the greatest piece of humanity I've ever seen. When you talk mm-hmm. about the old timers coming across the pond to come settle here, I'm like, that makes complete sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's them against the world almost. And in minus 40 weather, who's going to look out for you? Well, you better treat your neighbor with kindness if you want help, right? Right. There's tons of stories like that. Yeah. Um, but Ottawa was, I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm trying to go with this because I'm just, it's something that I've been waiting to sit down and, and share a, a I don't know, a a little bit of a conversation over. And so I mumble and stumble over my words because although I'm sitting here trying to get it out, I've been almost locked it away for now a few months and I'm I'm wrestling back together with what's sitting there. And now I've talked for like two minutes straight and haven't said jack squat. (laughs) It is amazing that nobody um, went out of their way. Uh, Very. But I would, you know, one of the craziest things about being there on the way there is I don't know how many times I heard I can't wait to lynch them and haul them back to the west. And when everybody got there, it went away. Yeah, it just went away. Everyone yep. was like, you know, what? I don't even care. I just, you know, no, like I'd like to, I'd like to have, have them come talk. I'd like them to step down. I'd like to move on with life. And I just, I was, you know, and part of that was yeah. what happened there. You know, like I got to see Quebec come in at uh, one in the morning on the first night. It was the coolest thing. Yeah, them park right in front of Parliament, and the one guy with the air horn. I still don't know how he did it. Probably uh, souped up, uh, you know, and just playing a song, and you're just like, this is like. It yeah. pinch me this is weird right oh yeah 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 it's um it is crazy that nobody acted on their own accord because like look at the january 6th thing or yeah january 6th in the states right they stormed the, the capitol building or is that what they call it the capitol yeah anyways like a couple of you know 10 crazy people could have made this Derailed scene yeah. the same as that and then guys like me would have been sitting waiting for a trial. You know, it, it was it was that easy. A couple people, and the media was looking for that. They're just looking for just one, just one guy. And it would have like look at one guy did fly that stupid flag, and I heard I heard about that a dozen times. <laughs> it's like there's hundreds of thousands. Well, they said there's millions on the busiest weekends of people, and there's gonna be one jackass with this flag. And why do I gotta hear about it all these times? Like. It's so easy. That's what they were looking for. And I also think that we'll talk more about this, but when they busted up the convoy and kicked us out, the amount of force, but I've seen it all firsthand, was so out of hand. But with that much force, like it almost, it really makes you, you know, go in defense mode. And I think they were highly banking on one person to, I don't know what, to pull out a weapon or whatever retaliate and then 
they it would have been all uh, acceptable. Everything they did would have been fine because look at these crazy people with their weapons and their trucks and they were planning something bad and it would have been spun out of control. And it didn't happen. And I think they're left empty-handed after they, you know, used extreme force. And they're left empty-handed, not one person, you know, used extreme force back. So it, they were left empty-handed is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's um, almost unthinkable that during the course of that, everybody would be, have, you know, yeah. with, you know, I, I talked about it when I came back. The when we first got there, I didn't see that much drinking. By the end, I saw more and more people starting to drink because they had nothing else to do. They were just sitting there, and people are bringing them every which last thing they can imagine. Right? Oh yeah, the partiers came out for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. So you just think I just go. Well, I've been to a ton of parties. Yeah. <laughs> How many times have things gotten out of hand by a guy who isn't that dangerous, but you know, get a little bit of uh, liquid courage, and all of a sudden he's whatever. Yeah. And that didn't happen. You know, yeah. like. It's pretty, pretty incredible that that uh, stayed on the rails. Yeah, it is. Th- those final days, when when you uh, when you're watching the police getting closer and everything, yeah, we were like, maybe it's time to pack up and go. Yeah, it was a tough decision. Um, so they enacted the emergency act, and they basically brought in I don't know how many, a couple, I don't know, two hundred maybe, hundred. I don't know, something like that. Lots of cops, riot gear, you know, they had the horses, all, all these things. They had two LRAD. They look like tanks, LRAD machines. And so it's it, sound, it sends like a sound, I guess. That's like a s- extremely uncomfortable thing to be in. And it makes you basically take off as soon as you get hit with this LRAD. So they had two of those tank-looking machines marching with the officers. And so lots of people did leave and there was we were told to leave from people who were heading the convoy once that kind of started it was okay guys we don't want they didn't want anyone retaliating getting crazy said here's the consensus is that we got nothing to prove here they're making a big mistake let's not react to this and let's get the heck out of here and that happened like the second day the cops were there but basically they made a line from i think it's the east and at this point, I was parked right in front of the hill because lots of people left, so I moved up to the, to the hill. And they just made a line of cops. And they and there was also a line of people right in front of them, face-to-face. And the cops just kept slowly trying to gain ground forward against the protesters. So they would take shifts. You know, there'd be a line of cops, and they'd be trying to march forward, then they'd take shifts. And they they kept overtaking, and it was to the point where they would get up to any semi left behind, smashed all the windows. They went in the trucks. They, you know, ripped the bunks down, all this stuff, ransacked the trucks. And then once the cops got in front of them, then the tow trucks, they weren't, I don't know if they were tow trucks or city vehicles, whatever, got got rid of them, totally ransacked them. And so they marched this line of cops slowly up. And everyone's seen the video of the old lady, indigenous lady, getting run over by the horse and you know all these things were happening they had uh flashbangs i imagine they were probably toned down flashbangs but so every i don't know hour or so three of them would in unison throw out a flashbang into the crowd of people standing in front of the cops and boom it would go off so everyone would stumble back 10 or 12 feet and then the cops would overtake that 
So they slowly marched and marched and marched and only did it during the day. So when it came night on the first night they were there, they shut down. They had that fancy hotel. I think it's East End. And they basically went to bed and they kind of held their line, but they didn't try to make any progress. And the second day they moved hard. They threw piles of flashbangs out. They marched those tanks up hard and heavy right up to the hill, overtaking trucks, smashing them up at, along the way. And then, uh, well, anyone who got caught up in it got arrested, taken down, thrown in day prison, I guess. I think they had to sign a waiver of some sort and then kicked out. So that's how that ended. Yeah, it was, they just slowly marched ahead. Anyone who acted up a little bit too much, they would pin them down, rough them up a little bit, and then haul them away. Was that an unnerving time? Oh, the tensions were high. Yeah, big time. Yeah kind of felt well you know i knew i was i was expecting someone to do something stupid and then make everyone look bad so i was happy that that didn't happen i knew it was their screw up not ours but yeah it was it was absolutely man like crazy to see your own your own police force throwing flashbangs at you for wanting freedom personal choice and i'm you're gonna throw a flashbang from my truck like isn't it such a isn't it such a crazy time that people are gonna hate you for asking for personal freedom? Hated for that. That that, that blows my mind, and it's crazy to see the cops um, enforcing that. Yeah, well, you uh, you just gotta look at the uh, Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Jeez, I'm spacing here, but I gotta sit right there. And in the first line, it just talks about pretty much freedom of association, belief, uh, press, media. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's a whole, it, that's pretty much what was going on. And, and I mean, it was character. You know, I, I talk about uh, lots about CBC, their, the way they were framing it compared yeah. to what everybody else was seeing is yeah. the most wild, asinine thing I've ever been a part of to see. And, and you know, I, I got uh, – by the time this releases, Kid Carson will be out, and Kid Carson is a, a media guy, a morning radio show host from Vancouver, and he talks about his experience out in Vancouver, seeing the exact same, seeing how the big media corporations framed a protest in Vancouver, and yeah. he was there, and he's like, that, that, is, that isn't anything that's going on, so, right? So, you know what that makes me wonder, Sean, is what's going on across the world? So, what, what do you think? Well, what's going on, like, I see... You know, in wars, you have this painted picture. What's going on in a war in the Middle East or what's going on in uh, Ukraine, Russia? People in Saskatchewan have no idea what happened in Ottawa. How do I think I have any idea what's going on in Russia-Ukraine war? Yeah, there's a war, but like what's going on? Or what's going on in the Middle East? Like what? We have this this media narrative painting a local picture that convinces most people. Well, now let's go across the seas. I feel totally lost in what the reality is anywhere over there because the same media game is being played and it's way easier to get away with it because we can't see it. Because Pretty Boy is not coming on the podcast and you know saying what happened. So it just it makes me realize how little we know and how we're just basically fed a narrative. And well, I think a I think in nineteen eighty four, Oceania is at war with East Asia. East Asia is at war with Oceania. It just, you know, and yep. then they can change the narrative whatever they want. Yep. And we just, you know, 
most of us, myself included, I might add, you know, I don't put myself on this pedestal. I just, you know, I want to, I want to provide for my family. I want to have some laughs. I want, I want community. I'm a big guy in community. Yeah. And I just want to, you know, go about life. And I, I don't know. Right. It sounds so simple. That's, that's all I want. Right. And yet that isn't what's going, like once you, you know, seen it, you're like, God dang it. Now I got to do something about N- this. Now so. I got to pay attention. And now yeah. paying attention is going to lead me here. <laughs> and that's going to do this. And, you know, it's, it's a wild, wild thing. Yeah. And it's not like I want to take over the burden of, oh, I need to find out exactly what's going on in the Middle East and solve that. I, I, it's not my, I, I, it's not my thing. And I'm not saying people. You just understand. I'm, that I'm, I just understand. I don't know. The, the, the same government that said that it was unlawful protests and they were being violent and tried cooking up just about everything. And, and now you hear about how they, um, you know, on the final days, how they pushed back, how aggressive they were. Mm-hmm. Once again, for the listener, they're going to have just listened to Kid Carson, Kid Carson talking about, you know, how he wasn't allowed on air to talk about certain things. He joked about not wearing a mask to a, a corporate softball game outside. Yeah. Just joked yeah. about it. And that was his stick. That was his thing. He made fun of and they, they reprimanded him for it. So after that, he wasn't allowed to talk about COVID. It just hit a boiling point of you guys going to, uh, Ottawa and him being like, all right, I got to say something. And so he has like a six minute spiel. And then of course he's off one of the largest radio stations in Vancouver. So you wow. start adding all these pieces up yeah. and you're like, yeah, like, listen, do I want to sit there and go what's happening in Ukraine is bad? Yeah. Right. But I don't know anything about it at right. all. And I can't, I can't trust the CBC to tell me no. I can't, I can't trust half the damn world, maybe more than that to tell me what's actually going on there. No. And, um, and people get that confused, like I said before, just because I recognize something's, just because you recognize something's wrong doesn't mean you have to take it on and, you know, you know, not worry about your family, not enjoy your time, whatever. But we need to have conversations about these things, like COVID, for example. Yeah, you might not single-handedly be able to stop the government from enforcing their mask mandate or whatever. But a lot of people I know totally disagreed with it, but didn't say anything. Like we need to at least have conversations about this stuff openly and honestly, and then have a unified response to it. People have, we have to, it has to be a conversation. You can't just, even though it's wrong or whatever, you can't just turn it off. Cause oh, I can't do anything anyways. Let's uh, go watch Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> you know, like you to at least, you have to at least learn and talk about it and, you know, discuss with your peers. It's an uncomfortable feeling though. You know? It is. Cause uh, it's no fun. Well, you know, I, I've become this guy. I know I have. Um, I used to have uh, different friends, acquaintances, probably still do, that like really loved talking politics, right? And I just like, you know, like I, I don't care. Like, let's talk about whatever. And where yeah. am I at? I was explaining to you before, once again before we, we started, you know, like the, the podcast is really went. Some days I think I'm at the <laughs> helm of the ship, you know, like I know where I'm going. And other days, I don't have a bloody clue, right? <laughs> um, and so now I've sat down with, you know, I've tabled a, a roundtable discussion with five of the candidates to become premier. One of them, in my mind, will be premier. Right. And why am I doing that? Because it is of the utmost importance. But I also understand that I've become that guy. You know, Sean, nobody <laughs> wants your thoughts on politics, which I will say right, right now is probably very true. But I tell you what doesn't do the world good. None of us having any thoughts on politics. Yeah. No, that's right. You know, like just hands off and we don't do anything about it. It's like, no. uh, last time I checked, we elect these these guys. 
Uh, we elected uh, all the people in, in Ottawa. We elected all the people in Alberta, Saskatchewan, when they weren't standing up for, you know, is, is it uncomfortable? Yeah. It ain't, it ain't fun. No. But, I mean, geez, what are we here for, you know? Yeah, no, I'd, I'm a 25-year-old guy. I, I'd way rather be, you know, wrenching on my truck and going and partying on the weekends and uh, talking about hockey or not caring at all, but it's... Well, there, it's, caring, there's a, it's caring in a different way, right? Or like, there's a responsibility to it, I think. Like, we have to at least, even though we can't change it, maybe, or we have to at least have a conversation about this stuff. Can't just totally ignore and pretend like there's not a tornado on your doorstep. <laughs> like, I've seen that lots. Guys know, guys knew this was wrong, but it's no fun to talk about sitting em- here. And, emperor's not wearing pants, right? Ah, uh, uh, yeah, like... Yeah, I, th- I just think that we have to take personal responsibility in things like this too and not just say, oh, it's out of my hands, the government did it. I'm I'm just, I got no say in it anyways. That's, there has to be personal responsibility to that too. Yeah, one of the, the, the one of the things I think I came to realize though over the last like six, seven months, eight months, geez, it's August now, is... You know, when enough people start taking ownership of what's going on, things can happen awfully quick. Like, you watch how politicians change what they're saying because they can see. You know, I go back yeah. to an episode I had on with Shane Getz in an MLA from around Edmonton. And he said, politics is formed off media and media is formed off public opinion. Well, public opinion is a bunch of us being disgruntled about something so the media will report on it, right? Yeah. And you go... Now, media is compromised. I think everybody, I don't even have to have any more discussions on that to know that that's factual. I think mm-hmm. we all, all can see it. Yep. But our politicians are starting to hear the loud and clear voice of like, things are off, at least in, in this part of the world. I can't speak for all the parts, but Alberta, I mean, you look at what the election's being ran on. No more lockdowns. Um, you know, body, body autonomy. Like things, you know, crazy, crazy, crazy idea a year ago. Yes. <laughs> right. But that is what they're running on right oh, now. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, the biggest thing I want people to take away from the convoy is just a mindset change that we do have the ability to control what happens when we unite, when we all work together and unite you absolutely can the people do control it you can't sit back and cop out and say it's out of my control you have to take personal responsibility when things are wrong and if there's any sort of united response these things cannot happen at you know an industrial site for this vaccine mandate if the company puts in vaccine mandate and it doesn't have to be 50% people say no. If it's 15% or 20, it can't happen. So don't feel lost like, oh, there's no way half the people are going to say. If 10%, if 15% Well, by having people, by having a voice, it gives people other people the courage to have a voice. Too. Right, exactly. And it doesn't have to be even 50-50. It's, uh, a company can't lay off 15% of its workforce. It'll crumble. It, there has to be a unity. And guess what? When you get 5% of people standing together, it's going to turn into 30% or 40 or 50% right away anyways. But when everybody feels lost, it doesn't work. Well, and you feel alone. 
right? I don't know how many times, you know, even when I was, uh, when we were talking um, back in January when I was in your cab, I brought up, you know, just the isolation and not knowing mm -hmm. if you're one of 10, one of 10 million, right? Like the difference yeah. is astounding. And now, I mean, it's become very popular, I think, to talk about all these topics, except for on mainstream media, I might add, right? Like they, yeah. they're still acting like it's not, uh, you know, something... I mean, it's it's come a long way out west. Like certainly more, in, uh, there's talking more openly about it. Yep. But for for a lot of people, uh, if your argument is sound, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people would be like, are probably thinking the exact same thing. Right. Whether they got vaccinated or not, like they doesn't it, matter. Didn't matter. No. You know, so many people got vaccinated. They're still mm -hmm. on board for like, yeah, but it should be your choice, right? It was my 100%. choice or not my choice or whatever yep. else. Right. Absolutely. No informed consent. It's. I know it's a radical, crazy right-wing idea, informed consent, but I don't think it's too much to ask for. <laughs> you know, what do you think of Tamara Litch, uh, Chris Bar? I mean, Chris Barber. Obviously, I got lots of time for Chris. Uh, he's been on the podcast before. Yep. Uh, I met Tamara when I was in Ottawa. Uh, right. But sticking specifically, I think with Tamara, what are you? What have been your thoughts on the sidelines watching that all go down? Yeah, that's. It's a good way to scare people off from, say there's another lockdown in the fall. Who's going to head the resist, uh, resistance or the other side, the other opinion, right? The more brutal they can treat Tamara, the less likely maybe I am to say, okay, I'll take the lead and I'll be the person not necessarily leading the convoy, but, you know, leading this voice on the other side. So the more they can abuse Tamara, the more scared people might be to um, you believe that take lead. I think it piss I think Tamara going the way she is. I think it's well, it's it definitely opens eyes. Yeah, but it'll take a strong person to when you actually f like facing jail time to take that lead. It that will that, take that is person. a fair that is a fair statement. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. I think that's all. It's just a. It's an imaging thing, I guess. I'm trying to, you know, say this is an example of what will happen to the next person, the next Tamara, right? But I don't think that'll people shy away. I think enough people know now that any sort of a unified response is extremely powerful. So I think that um, they'll have to be careful if they want to lock things down again or whatever. I think that um, a lot of people will have a backbone against it this time, a lot more. I uh, I got to bring up a, a quote that I've said of yours multiple times. I don't think this was ever on the podcast. I think this was just me and you talking in, in the truck. But uh, emotions had gotten the better of me, and I was sitting there and wiping away tears, you know, as you see all these people. From, from the convoy perspective, man, you had one hell of a seat. Like, oh, it, was, it was something else. Yep. And uh, here's this 24-year-old kid, guys, and he... He can see I'm wiping, you know, I, I whatever. I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm looking out the window. Big wiping, tough guy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Working, wiping tears away. And you said, don't hide that shit. And uh, I've probably said that line and, and phrased it as, you know, I, I met this guy named Pretty Boy uh, who drove a truck across uh, Western Canada into Ottawa. And uh, he was only 24 and he leaned across me and said, don't hide that shit. <laughs> and it made me laugh. But, you know, uh, you know we're so afraid to show... Uh, especially men yeah. uh emotion but there in ottawa nobody was hiding that shit one and two i just i'm like where the hell did that come from 
Well, I didn't really want to ignore it. Um, it was just honest. I was like, everything was honest. Everything was honest experience. And so I, I, we, I thought we connected well and I didn't want, like, it just seemed like I don't need to be hiding things from you. You don't need to be hiding things from me. Let's just be real <laughs> for a minute here. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, that's a hidden talent you have because uh, most people can't speak that direct, right? Uh, my grandmother used to have this ability to say really blunt things yeah. that, that normally would you'd take offense to or, or like would push you away, but it pulled you closer yeah. instead of further away, if that makes right. sense, right? Yeah, honesty is pretty easy when it's something fun or yeah. you know, nice to say. Yes. But the honesty that really counts is when it sucks to hear, when it pisses, like my, pisses you off. My The best friend you could imagine will tell you something that makes you dislike them. And that makes them your best friend. Because even though they say, they know that what I'm going to tell you is going to make you like me less, but it might benefit you, then I'm going to say it anyways, even at my loss. So your best friend is going to give you the honesty that sucks. That's tough. I mean, it's it's awesome, but it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Super tough to be that honest. and But it's also super rewarding because people really recognize that. Look, we're still talking about it today. And it's just a simple, well, yeah, listen, I, I've done, I've done 300 episodes now, a little over 300. And the amount of things that are lodged in my brain that I have not been able to lose, no matter how hard I try or don't try, <clears> it doesn't matter. I can put on one or two hands, right? Of like what somebody said. And I'm like, God, that's a thought. <laughs> that is a thought. And that thought, sir, was not on a podcast that was sitting in the truck after the podcast. Yeah. And it stuck with me. Um, it's stuck. Well, it's just stuck with me. It's stuck with me right now because I'm think. I think about it all the time. Like how important that is, whether you're talking about your relationship with your, you know, for me, my wife, my kids. Uh, how important it is. I'm not saying you got to be a blubbering idiot. That's not what I'm saying. But when something really hits you, to show the world that, or to show your family that, or your friends that, isn't a terrible thing. Maybe make them uncomfortable because it's, you know, at yeah. that time, uh, a lot of us, I think everyone was coming to terms with emotion and it was okay because we'd been holding it in for so long. Yeah. But showing people emotion is, is a good thing. And that is another skill, like just being willing to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, not always trying to put on this, this persona that's, you know, positive, happy, everything's good kind of thing. It's the reality of it's same, same thing with me talking about religion. Yeah. Like I said, my buddies or whatever people know we're going to say, what's this hellion doing talking about religion? Right. And it's not comfortable for me to really talk about it. I'm not used to it, but it's important because it's real. That's, that is what happened. That is what, what I felt. And that, so we got to talk about it. Yeah. Um, I think I have a different, I, I think I have this not warped. That's not the right way to say it. I think I thought religion was something that it's not right. Like, um, I heard, I heard uh, Peterson and Rogan the last time they were on together. Yeah, talk about how you can have a, um, like a spiritual, a spiritual experience. Jeez, is that a thing? Maybe. And one of them was meditating. If you meditate really hard on something, you, you, supposedly you can go into a state of. Uh, you can obviously take illicit substances, right? Joe talks off a lot about, mm -hmm. um, you know. Well, there's a ton of different substances. One of them is not sleeping, right? If you don't go to bed, you can put yourself into random states. Um, 
And then I think one of them is, I think they put it on with, with, uh, with, with, um, meditating is praying. There's a fourth one and I'm forgetting it right now. But when I listen to it, where I'm going with this is when you talk about religion, I'm kind of like, man, that the weird, it feels like a weird word. And what I mean by weird folks is I guess is almost like not good. And it's yeah. almost like we've we've gotten to a society where religion, you kind of like, oh, you push away from it, right? I think that's kind of been subconsciously kind of put into our heads, maybe, just through the things we see and whatnot. Now it's been kind of shedded away. I don't know why it feels that way, but it does for me as well. Um, but if you take God away from it, let's talk about it without that. Forget about God. There's, you know, no God. Okay, we're going to have a community of people that support each other. We're going to have, you're going to help me stay within my values of being honest, you know, not stealing all these great values. And we're going to come together on Sunday. We're going to talk about, you know, our achievements and how to do better and how to uphold, you know, raise each other's kids, you know, help each other raise kids and stuff like that and how to grow our community to be safer and more prosperous. And we're going to do that for generations to come. So when you talk about it with, oh God, it's like, wow, that sounds awesome. I want to sign up right now. You know, all my neighbors, we can come together and we can have this, you know, more human experiences more often and um, support each other in the long run that way. So it's funny when you take this idea of, of God away and you bring it into what it accomplishes and the values of it, it's not, all, suddenly it makes a lot of sense and it's easy to talk about. And, what, like and what, is a, what is a bunch of people talking about right now? Do you know? What's they're, t- they're talking about creating smaller communities where you look out for one another and you, uh, you know, you, you get your own supply chain and you get, and you look out for one another. Yep. And one of the things that, uh, it, it's funny. I, uh, I'm 36 and I've never, I've read the Bible as a kid, but I mean, I don't think I really read it. Right. Like, <laughs> and you go, when you start reading it, you go, man, there's a lot of meat on a lot of these words. There's a lot of stuff that I have no idea what it's even oh, talking about, and it, yeah. it, you know, and whatever. But you go, why have I never thought to sit down and read it? Even if you just read it for the lessons that are there. The lessons have stood the test of time. Like a ton right. of other books, you know. I, yeah. I, I brought up with you in the truck, uh, Solzhenitsyn, talking about uh, um, Soviet Russia. Uh, you can do Marcus Aurelius, uh, yeah. Meditations, some of the things he said in there, and you're like, holy shit, like that is... That's still bang on. Yeah. And so you, you go somewhere along the way, we lost something. Right. As Just as a society, I mean. I agree. I mean, look at the amount of people on antidepressants and all that stuff. Like there's something, the society, I think we live in a super prosperous, super opportunistic society where a 25-year-old guy can, you know, buy a truck, compete in industry, do very well, you know, have a nice house and raise kids and all this very you know, easy to accomplish, very prosperous society, but something is missing. Something's missing. Why is 15% of the population on antidepressants? Something's wrong here. There's something not quite right here. And maybe that's it. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't have the answer for you. I, I'm sure there's somebody screaming at the radio right now going. <laughs> Someone thinks they know. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Or, or no, or a, a different, do. maybe they do. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, you follow Peterson as closely as I do, right? Like the man is very smart. At times he says yeah. things that you're like, 
well, I'd really like to hear a two-hour podcast on why you think that way, right? Because right. he can be pretty brash on certain things. Right. But he's not wrong on all, like, on a lot of fronts, he's bang on. Yep. Yep, he is. And it was interesting to hear him talk about religion, too. But, no, he's got his core values and the way he sees the world is a lot to learn from him. You know, even a younger guy like me five years ago, basically the first time someone's preached to you the idea of um, um, being responsible for your actions, self-responsibility, and being encouraged in that way, like this uh, delayed gratification, all these things. It's, it's necessary to have, you know, to have delayed gratification, to have um, self-respect or all these values that he talks about. It's necessary for a young guy to understand those and to start working on implementing those in your own life. Yet that's the first time that's really been preached to me. You know, I wish that was a more um, commonly talked about theme, especially to younger guys. You know, we see all these issues with mental health, especially in young men and i think there's a lot a lot of that could be solved or that can be helped with just personal responsibility and the values that he talks about yeah well i was older than you when i found him right. it was probably when i was 30 mm -hmm. i've never had anyone break down things and just like that makes a lot of sense yeah. you know that makes a lot of sense i i say if I ever get Jordan on here, and geez, I've put it out to the universe an awful lot if I could ever find a way to get that guy, you know? Like, a uh, case in point, uh, one of my goals for this year is to have Jordan Peterson on. I had two. Let's go full-time. Okay, check. Let's get Jordan Peterson on. Hasn't happened. He was coming to Saskatchewan. I was going to meet him, VIP, and then, and I'm not saying he would have came on the podcast, but you get the point. Yeah. And then show gets canceled. And I'm like, uh, yeah. what is that, you know? <laughs> But if it isn't for, if it, you know, uh, when I filter back, uh, and I, I found this a lot with people who are standing where they are in their convictions, um, a lot of them are, you know, they were churchgoers, and they, you know, I mean, we literally told them they couldn't meet, which is the most crazy thing in the world now that, you know, like you, you start thinking about it. Um, the other interesting trend was how many people had read Jordan Peterson, and for me, this podcast is because of Jordan Peterson. I read Jordan Peterson, and probably three months after it, I started putting together the first studio in Ken's yeah. basement. No kidding. Right? We took an old uh, mouse infested, not infested, had mice, mouse <laughs> poop, infested, like, cold storage room in the basement and turned it into one of these. And now I've right recreated on. it here. Nice. But if it wasn't for Jordan Peterson, then I wouldn't be interviewing. I wouldn't have been blah, 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 blah. You understand. Yeah. And I... The amount of impact one man has had, you know, when we go back to finding your voice, I don't think I've had, you know, if I put myself, if I compare myself to Jordan Peterson, I am not even a drop in the bucket, right? Right. But Jordan Peterson doing what he did and standing firmly in something he believed in now created a new generation of people that are finding their own ways to mm -hmm. stand. And I go back to, and this is a long way of saying it, what you said early on, if you find a way to stand up, you don't understand how many other people will take uh, some of your your confidence and apply it to their own life. Right. And where that ends for society and everywhere else, I have no idea. But only good things probably come from that. Yeah, it's 
it didn't it doesn't take much like jordan peterson you think about it he, he's smart but he doesn't like he's just a video just a guy on a screen right he's and he talks about that too he says i didn't really do much i'm just asking people to have a little bit of self-responsibility and to try hard and you know have values like his baseline message that spoke to you is not much but it's enough but it's enough to push you over the hill to get moving again right and it's why why are those things not why why am i learning why are you learning about when you're 30 like wouldn't you want to teach your kids that when they're like 17 (laughs) the young yeah yeah when they're when they can actually make the most of it right you know like, don't get me wrong. I've been making the most of it. I, I don't mean to say at 30, you can't. Right. But we both know the earlier you are in learning that and actually implementing it, the better off you're going to be. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I've enjoyed uh, getting to sit with you again, Spencer. It's been uh, anytime I run into anyone that, you know, sp- specifically that I, I've ran into in that course, it's it's uh, always enjoyable. Is there anything... Uh, I need to, uh, you know, is there something you want to say to listeners about Ottawa, about anything that I haven't brought up with you? I just think that everyone needs to take that personal responsibility when they see things going wrong. That the strength and unity, it's obviously very effective. And there's a lot of people behind that. It doesn't matter what we're sold to about, you know, what's right and wrong. There's baseline values that shouldn't be encroached upon like what happened COVID is just an example there's going to be more examples of this and I just want people to take responsibility in upholding what's right and wrong whether you think you can change it or not whether you think that your family is going to think you're crazy or your workplace is going to think that you're wrong or whatever we have to be responsible in holding basic right and wrong up and being unified in doing it also, hard working haul, hired me to haul your combine <laughs> and build your bin pad. <laughs> sure, a selfless plug. I don't mind that. Yeah, yeah, slip it in at the end. Well, here's here's your final one then. This is uh, Heath McDonald's words, crude master final question. Uh, he said, if you're going to stand behind a cause that you think is right, then stand behind it absolutely. Right. What's one cause Pretty Boy stands behind? Cause? Yeah. Now, what's one thing you stand behind? One thing I stand behind? Well, you just can't isolate certain people from society. I don't care whether they are a certain religious group, whether they take, you know, this vaccine or whatever. You can't take a group of people and isolate them from society, no matter what. Doesn't You can't justify that, especially when they're not harming. Like, that's... That, that has to be upheld. No segregation. Well, I appreciate you uh, hopping on and doing this, and uh, best of luck here in your future endeavors, uh, your businesses and everything else. I look forward to uh, following along, and hopefully this isn't the last time we bump into one another. Yeah, I know. Come have an update in a couple months or years, or we'll see where it goes. Sounds good, Spencer. Appreciate it. You bet.